to preach this morning on joy out of the book of 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through to 4. And as you're turning there, how many of you know, you know, a Christian life should be joyful? Amen. The Christian life should be exciting. The Christian life shouldn't be boring and dull. The Christian should be joyful. Amen. 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 Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore Thee. Come on, I'll come here to preach this morning about joy. <laughs> and you know what? I've, I've been a Christian for, uh, man, 15 years now. And yes, there's disappointments. Yes, there's been some discouragement of the years. But I'm telling you, I can experience that. You know what? The joy of the Lord has been my strength. I can testify that there's been times where I've been completely and utterly destroyed. I've been like, man, cast down. I've been, you know what, worried about something. But I come back to this fact. That the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've come to know Psalms verse, chapter 30 verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy, come on, comes in the morning. Amen. That when we wake up in the morning, it's, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, but for some of us tomorrow morning, it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Monday morning, where's the joy gone? Amen. So I want to preach this morning about joy. Uh, Sir Wilfred Grantfeld, the medical missionary to Labrador, he said this, Real joy comes not from ease or riches or from praise of men, but from doing something worthwhile. An old Scottish preacher, Alexander McLaren, he said this, To pursue joy is to lose it. The only way to get it is to follow steadily the path of duty without thinking of joy. Another Christian writer, his name's Tolstoy, he said, joy can be real only if people look upon their life as a service and have a definite object in life outside themselves and their personal happiness. Now, I've been doing this study on joy and it's, I found it so interesting that all these men, all these Christian writers, they come to this conclusion that if only many people can begin to uh, put their lives aside and begin to look beyond them, that is the pursuit of joy. And all of them could agree that there's a higher purpose with when it comes to joy. And in 1 John chapter 1, we're going to look at this this morning and we get a sense of this, the joy that comes from our witness and to others. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 through to 4 says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen. And bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Amen. Your joy may be full. I was writing this message and so many things was like going wrong. <laughs> my laptop died. My, uh, my iPad died. I'm thinking, what is going on? I was like, man, this message must be for someone today. It must be for me. <laughs> you know what? And one of the things about preaching is it's not about preaching to others, but it's about the minister himself. God, what are you dealing with us? God, speak to me so I can minister to others. And today, you know what? Someone here this morning, maybe you've gone through life and it's depressing. Listen, you can experience a joy like no other. 
And if you're making note, number one, it's got to be personal. It's got to be personal. The first thing that leaps out from this text, the first thing that jumps out is this dynamic personal account of this testimony that John writes about here. It's got to be personal. He says, what we have seen. He says, what we have heard, what we have touched, we've seen it. This is a personal account. I mean, we preached last week about these disciples, right? They're in hiding. Jesus has died. They're hiding from the Jews. And all of a sudden, Jesus rocks up in the house, in the midst of them. And all of a sudden, fear is turned to faith. Jesus turns up and all of a sudden, the joy has been complete. And they begin to touch Jesus. They begin to hear His voice. Jesus says, put your hand here. Touch my hand. Feel the nail print hands. And these disciples, John writes here, listen, I've seen it. I've heard him speak. I've been around Christ. I know what it's like to be with Jesus. And he's writing to us and says, I'm writing this to you so that your joy can be made full. Amen. Bible scholars agree that this encounter with the risen king left an imprint in all these disciples. All these disciples uh, mentioned this. There's been a ringing in our ears. The scholars say that these disciples... And now have this mindset, it's in one's mind's eye, that which we gazed upon as a spectacle and our hands handled with a view of investigation. And so these disciples have this ringing in their ears. These disciples have it in their own mind's eye. This relationship that John has with Christ is a personal account. It's made a vivid impression upon him. And I'm telling you, we're reading this text and get this. This text alone has been written 60 years later. This is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. We're reading it now and the words of Jesus. John writes and it's still ringing in his ear. It's like it just happened yesterday and he's writing. Listen, I'm writing this to you. That your joy, my joy can be full this morning. And this is really what we based our testimony our witness upon what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've felt. Listen, your encounter with Christ, you giving your life with Jesus, how he transformed you is a personal one-on-one -on -one encounter with Christ. How many have ever been there before? You know what it's like to go through hell. You know what it's like to live in sin. You know what it's like to live with the weight of guilt and shame. But as soon as you came to Jesus, come on somebody, as soon as you came in his presence, as soon as you accepted him in your life, something changed, something transformed, something in you broke, something in you healed. Come on, because of who? Because of Jesus. And there's nothing like it, just like we sang. There's nothing like you, Lord. There's nothing like a personal account and testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. Amen. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Come on. You don't have to uh, be someone who studies scriptures to be a witness for Christ. You don't have to have all your doctrine in order. You don't have to quote Isaiah to Romans and study the book of Revelations about the beast. Listen, no, no, no. All you need is you got to have Christ burning on the inside of you. Come on. His words have got to be ringing in your ears. His love, His passion has got to be burning inside of you. That more, that's more than someone who has head knowledge. It's someone who's had this transformation, this encounter with Christ. 
and nothing compares to it. I remember we went out into the city and we're street preaching, man, powerful. Holy Ghost came down with street preaching and this one brother, God bless him, you know, he's out there, he's arguing, he's like, you know, dun, 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 dun. and this guy's arguing back. Then they're both yelling at each other. I'm like, my goodness. <laughs> so I'm like, I just, I say, hey, brother, don't, don't try and argue, you know, man, you're just going to go nowhere. Anyway, ended it, the guy moves on, and I, so I'm, I'm there, and I just felt the Holy Ghost. I, st- I turned to him, I said, bro, when you lay your head down at night, do you have peace? Bang, the ho- I'm telling you, he starts crying. He starts weeping. He starts crying, and, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm praying with him. I say, you know what, God sees you. God knows who you are. He knows where you've been. God wants to touch your life. God wants to heal. I'm telling you, this guy is broken. He's crying. Compared to someone, and I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I'm just giving you an example. When you've had a personal account with Christ, it's more than just head knowledge now. It's something that's happened on the inside of you that says, you know what, nah, this ain't fairy tales. This is real. Christianity is real. What I've experienced, listen, God can do the same for you. And that's way better than someone coming in with some head knowledge, some Bible knowledge. Someone who's had an encounter with Christ. It's burning on the inside of us. And it's not worthing, uh, it's, it's worth noting, sorry, that John was no scholar here. He was n- not a man of letters, but in his gospel, his letters, you know, the, some of the most profound declarations of Christ in the New Testament. John was writing with a deliberate objection, get this, of the heresy that was making inroads to the, into the church called Gnosticism. And so John is writing against these people. In fact, he's giving rise to his declarations. The Gnostics basically believed that Jesus only appeared to be a man, only appeared to have a body, but never really did. And so John goes to great lengths to emphasize what he saw. God, uh, John goes to great lengths to what he'd heard and, and seen, how he touched Jesus And the language that he's writing in implies that this investigation has been done with careful analysis. He's seen Jesus. He knows what it's like to be with Christ. And when all is said and done, he says, you know what? Jesus came in the flesh. He was the incarnation, God in human form. And John is writing and he's saying, you know what? This is God. This is Jesus. And you can have a personal encounter with Christ. You can have this wonderful transformation in Jesus alone. And here we are, living in a day of skepticism. People believe in tarot card readers. You know, they go to the lady with the crystal ball. They can believe that. But when it comes to the Bible, man, they they don't believe a thing. And it's, it's so true. Uh, you know what, here it is. Uh, the, the God of this world in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age, the God of this age is speaking of the devil, has blinded the people of this world, causing them not to believe. And it's so funny. You know what, when people come in contact with a believer who's had an encounter with Christ, someone who's been transformed, This church is filled with awesome testimonies. Get to know some of the brothers. Tell them. Get to know some of the sisters. Tell me about your testimony. Get around with a cup of coffee. Let's go out. Let's let's go and have a chat. Ask them how their testimony. Get to know someone. 
you find out very clearly, man, this is not just some behavior modification. This is Jesus' transformation. Amen? And here it is. We can quote scripture all we want, but in the end, our personal encounter with Jesus will go much further. Can you say amen? amen? You can say what you want about your take on truth, but listen, nothing compares to someone who says, Jesus set me free from alcohol. Nothing can compare to the person that says, you know what, Jesus set me free from drugs. You know what, Jesus set me free from pornography. Jesus set me free from gas. Whatever your testimony is, that is powerful and God wants to use your life. So that others would come to know Jesus and encounter Christ the way you have. He's living in your life. He's living in your heart. There's a burning. There's a passion inside of you. It's ringing in your ears. And it's more powerful than someone, you know, teaching someone about this, 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 this. I'm telling you what, get an encounter with God. Jesus is alive. Amen. He rose again from the grave. He is alive and we are eyewitnesses to the truth secondly let's consider the wonder of life the wonder of life this morning john having witnessed and experienced all that he'd seen all that he heard spells out exactly what he's on about he's not just telling a story he's explaining it look listen it's an experience it is life and in our text the word used here there's phrases and that is this the word of life life manifested the eternal life that was with the father you see all these statements it's it's telling us something he's referring it to jesus as eternal life eternal life is not an it eternal life is jesus it's him it's who he is first john chapter 5 verse 11 listen to this and this is the testimony that god has given us eternal life And this life is in the Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And so when you think about eternal life, of course we think about heaven. Of course we think about the afterlife. Those of you who have studied a bit and been around for a while will recognize it as a quality of life. That Jesus came to give us a quality of life. That Jesus came to give us abundant life. Life, And I like how John brings it down. He breaks it down and makes it uh, personal and even more specific. He says eternal life is Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life you see this is eternal life we are in him it's a relationship with jesus christ he is the son of god we have relationship with jesus and i'm telling you life was designed by god can you say amen life was meant to be lived for god can you say amen and the only available thing you can uh, get life is through jesus christ John chapter 10 verse 10, I have come to that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. You can move from a boring life to abundant life. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, God is so good. God is amazing that when we try to live outside of Christ, we're leaving out the very essence of life. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, life without Christ is meaningless amen a life without jesus is unfulfilled 
it's empty. Life without Christ, listen, will leave us with this void inside of our hearts. It's like leaving the spark, the spark plugs out of your car. You may have all the right, uh, you know what, uh, parts of your car, but man, if you ain't got that engine going, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got life. You can have everything. You can have the material wealth. You can have the family, the friends, location. But listen, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. I'm telling you this morning, you can go on a pursuit of happiness in the world. You can try and find it in drugs. You can try and find it in alcohol or in relationship to relationship. But you will never find a fulfillment than what Jesus Christ can do. Can you say amen? Because in Him is life. In Him is abundant life. In Jesus is where we get meaning. In Jesus is where we get purpose. Read it again, 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through to 5, he reads this. And you, he made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Listen to this. And we were by nature children of wrath. Hashtag naughty by nature. <laughs> and it goes on and says, just as the others, verse 4 is the encouraging part, but God, who is rich in mercy who is because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses listen to this made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved aren't you grateful for the grace of God today that even yet we were sinners the Bible tells us God loved us so much that he died for us sin is death working in us sin is the thing that causes us to live in corruption romans 5 verse 12 therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned james chapter 1 verse 15 i'm talking about sin here then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death I want you to get the picture. Living apart from Christ, living in sin, listen, is death. And it's no wonder why when people who are not in Christ are left with this meaningless experience. Cycles of addiction. Without Christ, cycles of addiction. Chained in constant fear. Clothed with guilt and shame. Without Christ, you're just stuck in sin. Going around in the merry-go-round of life. You're here, you're there, you got this fake smile on. Everyone sees you on Instagram. Oh, you're looking good. Oh, you look nice. You're going to the gym. Oh, look good, brother. Look good, sister. But deep inside, whoa, you're missing something completely. Come on, don't go quiet on me. There's some people in this world, they got some fancy, nice clothes. <laughs> man, there's some people out there in the world that got it all together. But man, what profits the man if you gain the whole world? And then you lose your soul. 
In him is life. May we never forget that. It's not in material things, but it's in Christ. Joy is with Christ. You can get all you can, experience all that the world has to offer, and still yet be empty. Oh, social distancing. Make sure you're, yeah, yeah, make sure you're social distancing. But why don't you make sure you're not socially distant from Jesus? Amen. Don't be socially distant from Christ. I'm telling you, we, we can be separated from God and get to eternity and realize, whoa, we completely missed it. It's about a relationship with Jesus. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. No one comes to the Father except through me. John is offering life. Let's talk about joy and let's close with this. John is offering life to all of us. He's writing this letter to the church. He's writing this to us. He knows this because he's experienced this. He's lived it. He's in fellowship with the Father. He's living his life with Christ. And John says this, I'm writing these things to you. He's writing it to you that your joy may be full. How many want joy this morning? Amen. I want joy. I, I want the joy of the Holy Ghost. How many of you would rather have joy than misery? How many of you would rather have joy than to be depressed? We need joy. And the foundation of this joy that, that uh, John writes about is fellowship with Christ. It's simple. It's simply in a relationship with Jesus. And it's true as this fact, there is actually another possibility found in this verse. So number one, it's a relationship with Christ. And the second thing that we see here is your joy or our joy may be full. If you look at the, and you study this in the New Living Translation, Amplified Version, and etc., you'll find the word our. Now we could just leave it at the source of joy being yours or ours is found in fellowship with God. But the use of our joy it opens up this enlargement of this joy. I'll read the Amplified Version of it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, Amplified Version says this, And we are now writing these things to you, so that our joy in seeing you included may be full, and your joy may be complete. That's so powerful. I'll read that again. And we are now writing these things to you, so that our joy in seeing you included may be full, and your joy may be complete. You see, in this case, our joy is your inclusion in our fellowship with God. Our joy is your salvation, you receiving eternal life. In other words, joy is doubled. Joy has now been multiplied a lot. When you have a relationship with Christ, joy. But there is another joy that is added when we see others being now coming to know Christ as well. That is why the Bible talks about when one sinner repents, heaven rejoices. There's a joy that comes with someone coming to know Jesus Christ. Jesus himself endured the cross, despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. It was the redemption of the souls of men that yet Jesus was walking down Via Dolorosa. 
He had the cross on his back. He was walking down this road and yet with his back completely and utterly destroyed, walking with uh, tears, uh, bloodstained tears in his eyes, he saw you and I with joy. He endured it because you are here today. He said, you know, one day in Beanley Potter's house, one day in Eagleby, someone's going to come to know Christ. Someone's going to come and receive eternal life. And I'm telling you, this is where joy begins to take place. John declared and was witness. This was the language of this particular text, that life was in Jesus. It will compel us to seek and to save the lost, to declare and be a witness of the truth. You see, Christ in us will seek that one lost sheep that when we find it, will return rejoicing. That's what Jesus says and defines the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is filled with men and women with unquenchable joy. The kingdom of God is filled with men and women with this joy that can't be wiped from their face. The joy that I have, the world didn't give it. And the world cannot take it away. Amen. Joy was the evidence of revival. Joy was the evidence in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day were about 3,000 souls were saved. And listen in Acts chapter 8 verse 8. And there was great joy in the city. Great joy in the town. I'm telling you the only hope. The only hope for this nation is Jesus. The only hope for depression, the only way we're going to get rid of it is when people decide to get a revelation of Christ. When people decide to encounter Him and get their sins forgiven to receive eternal life. And then we see more souls coming in and get saved. Joy will be in the city. Revival takes place. That is the hope for the city. That is the hope for this world. And that's Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a clap offering this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed today. We're thankful for His grace, His mercy, that we are recipients of joy through Him alone, through Christ. I have no doubt that joy is full only when others find the kingdom of God through us. Listen, you have a testimony, my brother, my sister. You might be the only testimony for your family that represents Christ in a way like never before. The world, like we preached last week, needs to see it. The world needs to see Christ. Well, every head bowed, every eye is closed. You're here this morning, your heart is not right with God. You're here this morning and you know if you were to die today in your sin, you'd be separated from a holy God. You're here this morning, you know your heart's not right with God. You know, if you were to die today, you wouldn't make heaven your home. But this morning, you want to give your heart to Christ. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand with mine and say, yes, that's me. I'm away from God. I need Jesus in my life. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. Listen, my friend, my brother, my sister. Don't leave it until it's too late. Give your life to Jesus Christ. You're here this morning. You know your heart is not right with God. You know you're living in sin. You're separated from Him today. 
won't you raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want my sins forgiven. I know my heart is not right with God. Maybe you're backslid and you once had a relationship with Jesus. You once walked with Christ, but now you're separated. You've gone back into your old ways. You've left Christ. You've decided to go out on your own accord. Listen, there's hope for you this morning. You lift your hand with mine and say, yes, that's me. I want to get saved. I want to be born again. I want eternal life. If that's you, want you raise your hand with mine and say, yes, preacher, that's me.